Today on Locked On Canadians, it is another mailbag, and all of your questions are about the future of this team, unsurprisingly. So we're going to talk about where Kirby Doc will play, who is the best center for Slavkovsky next year, and more. All that's coming up on Locked On Canadians. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 671 of Locked On Canadians, your first listen of every day, and hopefully your first watch on YouTube. If you haven't noticed, we've been doing this new thing where we set our episodes to premiere on YouTube when they go live, so you guys can have a chance to chat while the episode is going on. So far, we haven't jumped into any of those chats, but we will be joining you at some point. But every episode now is being set up as a premiere, so you can jump in, watch it as soon as it launches, and talk to people in the comments. In the meantime, my name is Laura Sab, also known as The Active Snake, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matlove, Habs Eyes on the Prize, and we are so grateful to you for making us your first listen, your first watch, all of that, and we are mostly grateful to you for sending us your mailbag questions. You drive the content of this show. You ask for people, we try and invite them on. You ask for us to talk about stuff, we try and do that. You guys really are in the driver's seat, and we really, really appreciate that. And today, uh, we just want to talk real quick. This was sort of, it wasn't a mailbag question, uh, but it was one of our listeners who said that they would like us to talk about this on today's episode. On the very next episode was the request, and it was Cody Plourd who said that Philip Meshar, there were was, there was some pictures, there's photographic evidence that Philip Meshar has the thighs to not rival Martin St. Louis just yet, but he's definitely working on it. So if, if you missed our last episode, we talked a little bit about what Philip Meshar brings. We had two episodes this week with Sebastian High of Dauber Prospects. Such a wonderful guest. I really, really think if you missed it, check them out. They're the previous two episodes, 669. Nice, nice. I'm and on six- top of it this time. I'm on top of it this time. So, um, and 670. And honestly, Sebastian is just getting started, and we can't wait to see how far his hockey an- analysis career goes. He was great on the podcast. He's a lot of really, really interesting uh, analysis threads on Twitter. He's got great writing. Check him out. Um, and honestly, we can't say enough. But in the meantime, we are. Locked on Canadians today as a mailbag without a guest. Sometimes we'll have a guest on the mailbag. It's a long off season. We're going we're gonna to have plenty of content for you. Scott, what do we have in the mailbag episode or in the mailbag today? A- apologies. <laughs> it's been uh, a long week. Jumping right into it. The first one comes from uh, at Habs Laugh. Uh, where does Doc fit into the lineup on opening night? So... A bunch of people responded to his question when we put out the call for the mailbag and a couple of people said that they wanted to see him on the third line. One of the things that we do have to remember is that we don't know if Christian Dvorak is going to be on this team or not come opening night. But I think that based on the fact that they traded for him and the fact that they want to get him going, I do see they will start him on opening night. They'll put him on the second line behind Nick Suzuki. Now, I don't necessarily know if that's the best idea if Christian Dvorak's still on the team. 
But I do think they want him to sort of rise up to his potential. They want to throw him in there and they want to give him those assignments because we have to remember that he was in the same draft year as Cole Caulfield, right? We talked about it with Sebastian a little bit. He might not necessarily have been third overall caliber in that draft, right? Like in hindsight, maybe that's not where we would have picked him, but we definitely have picked him like pretty high in the first round. So he still got a lot of talent. His, his development was quite derailed by injury and the fact that he was a Chicago Blackhawk. And I personally, the way that I see this is you have to, you, you know, you, you paid for him because you needed a center. You needed a young center to grow with this team. You're looking at this team and you're saying, you know, Nick Suzuki can't do it all by himself. You have to put him in positions to succeed and you have to put him on that second line there. Like, I don't think that they put him on the first line. I don't think that they, they, they do that to Nick Suzuki. But I think that they're hoping that, these two are going to be a one-two punch, like a 1A, 1B situation. Scott, what are your thoughts? My my thought is, is that a lot of it depends on how the wingers kind of shake out because we haven't, like you and myself, have not gotten to see Kirby Doc play a game in a Canadian's uniform yet. We don't know. He hasn't even signed his contract. Yeah, and that's the other thing is like, we don't, we don't know what the center depth looks like. We know we have Nick Suzuki and Jake Evans bookending the lineup right now. Everything in between is a guessing game right now. And I'm like you that I imagine he's likely going to slide into that, you know, two A two B slot where he and Dvorak will flip flop depending on the situation. And a lot of it depends. How do they, you know, send out their wingers in a given situation and this and that. I think he's going to eat a lot of minutes in the preseason. Suzuki, I think, will play, you know, not every game, but you know, every other game or so because you know he he's Nick Suzuki. Gonna... Exactly. Like we're going to see a lot of Kirby Doc 1C in the preseason. They're going to give him every opportunity to earn his spot. I don't think he's going to fall down to the fourth line. They didn't trade for him to end up doing that. But I don't think it's unreasonable to think he might be the 3C going into this season just because Dvorak's more established and they kind of see what they've got here. Personally, I like him as kind of someone to take some pressure off Suzuki and not being the only offensive guy. But until we know what the wingers shake out to be. We don't know who's still moving in and out of this team. A couple of weeks ago, it's like, ah, oh, there's still more moves in the in the shoot for the Canadians. Well, we're waiting, but uh, for right now, it's who knows. Like, I think somewhere in that second, third line spot is likely where it feels like he's going to end up, to be honest. Speaking of who knows, we've got some more questions, one of which is who is going to be the best Player to play Slavkovsky with in the NHL. All of that is coming up in just one moment. But first, I want to remind everybody that Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, including your favorite sports and events and odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They've got you covered for all of that. You can head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about all of the trends in the action happening right now. BetOnline is where the game starts and where our game starts is the second segment with our mailback question scott what do we got next 
Our, our next question, like you said, was who's the ident- I, ideal, not identical, center for Yuri Slavkovsky on opening night, assuming he makes the NHL lineup? Okay, so this was a really interesting discussion that we had, not to keep going back to the episode with Sebastian, but it was on the Wednesday episode, 670, for those of you who like to go with numbers. Uh, and he brought out the, what was it? It was the Slavkovsky, Hoffman, and Armia line. And Scott, you made a face. Was that it? It was. I don't think it was Armia because they needed a center. So um, it would have I... been Dvorak? It was either Doc or Evans, I think he said, that it could work as a group just because of their play styles. My first thought is I don't want Mike Hoffman anywhere near Yura Slavkovsky, but I am not Martin St. Louis, so that choice is not up to myself. <laughs> I know a lot of people, though, are salivating at the thought of Doc, Slavkovsky, and X because that's a lot of big, meaty boys out there. Um, and a lot of people would like to see him play with Nick Suzuki, but until we don't know what his game level is at, at the NHL level. We're going to see what he's got at the rookie tournament, which I'm very excited about because against his own age group, he's terrifying to play against. So I'm very excited to see that. I I do think that it all depends on a given situation. It might be Dvorak. It might be doc. It might be, you know, Mitchell Stevens in the AHL for all we know. And until he plays a game, we uh, we're doing that. Well, I hope he's great kind of thing, you know, not not to put a, a necessary positive spin on it. I do think he's going to be right in that middle six to start the season, though, whether that's Dvorak or Doc depends on Dvorak and Doc playing, you know, their preseason games. I think it also depends on what they want him to kind of work on. I I feel like Dvorak might not bring out the best in him because for me, he's more of a defensive center um and kirby doc is is has been brought on more to create chances right like that intelligence is there and that that's something that uh we want to see the best out of so i think it'd be cool to see them two together not just because of the size but that would be really fun having them push around other other lines on the ice that that would be really really interesting but i just for me i don't think he i don't i wouldn't put him with nick suzuki right now even though it's a tantalizing idea and i wouldn't Put him with Dvorak. So it really just leaves Doc. <laughs> uh, from Jeff the Red, what's a more likely scenario for the upcoming season? The Canadians start hot and then fade, start terribly, pick things up late, or they're consistently bad all season? I think they will be mediocre to start with. And I think that the more time they all get together and the more the Canadians realize which players deserve a shot from Laval and which which ones need to be sent down because they need more time. I phrase that a very, very, very dangerous way. Like I don't want people to think that like, we think that people are bad because they got sent down to Laval. We just like, we talk about it all the time. Now they've got this AHL team. They can use it as a development farm and that's what they need to do. And a rotation would be really interesting with like, particularly in terms of defense. So I feel like they're going to, they're going to see what they've got. And then, they're, they have to improve their defense, right? Like they cannot consistently be as bad as they have been for the last two years on defense. They need better strategy. They need to be cohesive. So I'm hoping that gets better. So I think they start out exciting, but mediocre. And then as, as the year goes on, you see marked improvement. I'm like waving around this little dongle. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see. 
Um, I don't have my pen, so I can do my authoritative sort of hand signals there. There's actually something that plays off of this too on one of the other questions. It says, where do you see the Canadians finishing in the standings and where do we see Florida finishing considering we have their unprotected first round pick? And the context for the Florida part of this is they announced the rest of their coaching staff a few days ago. Among that coaching staff is former Hamilton Bulldogs, St. John Icecap, and Laval Rocket head coach, Sylvain Lefebvre. Those of you who have followed me on Twitter for long enough and on this podcast long enough know or read your my... work. Yeah, that too, where I called his, uh, his uh, dismissal the end of an error after seven years. Uh, he was fired from the Columbus Blue Jackets, one, for refusing to get vaccinated in the first place. And now that all these things are going out the window, I assume he was employable again for some godforsaken reason. I look at who their head coach is, Paul Maurice, who was not able to achieve anything with a very sound Winnipeg Jets group. And then he hired a guy who was a terrible AHL coach. Florida has the talent to overcome this, but if their goaltending isn't on point and they traded away Mackenzie Wieger and yes, they traded away and Jonathan Huber and they got Matthew Kachuk. Yes, but they still have work to do there. They're not a flawless team. They're a very good team but the wheels can fall off that very quickly. The Habs are going to finish in the bottom five to seven teams. I would be shocked if it's anything different. Florida has the opportunity to just go complete flaming train wreck this year. Uh, and that's to the Habs benefit because I don't believe this coaching staff has the, I don't want to say gumption, but wherewithal to figure out how to stop the 18 wheeler once it starts rolling. Uh, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. So here's what I think is going to happen. I don't think the Canadians are going to be as bad as they were this season. You know, people dreaming of Connor Bedard, like they're not going to be last in the league. You know, they they aren't going to be a good team. They're not going to be last in the league. I do I do see a bottom 10 finish for them, which is still good for their draft pick. I don't see them finishing any higher than 20 first 22nd like that's going to be where they where they're at because there are a lot of bad teams in the NHL there are a lot of teams that are still going to be bad next year there are some teams that are good that are going to be bad next year in terms of Florida they're going to take a huge step back unless they ship Bobrovsky over to Vegas because Vegas right now doesn't have a goaltender for an entire year Robin Leonard it was announced today uh, is undergoing surgery and will be out for literally an entire season. They have zero goaltending. They also have zero cap space, which is going to be really interesting to see what they do. But this is an opportunity for a team like Florida, probably not a team like Montreal. And I know we're going to talk about Carey Price later in the mailbag, but probably for a team like Florida to ship off an anchor contract uh, that, and then bring up one of their goaltenders who doesn't have an off year every other year. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, I think, I think Florida isn't going to be, as bad as we hope for the draft pick it's unprotected which is great i just i don't think it's going to be as bad as we hope but i also they're they're not going to be good they're like the division is bad enough that they'll get into the playoffs i i think that's a pretty fair assessment of it we're hoping they're they, they just fall off a cliff like you know the one yeah. year when tampa finished like third from the bottom and ended up you know with a really good draft pick i'm hoping that happens because two top 10 draft picks sounds like a really good way to speed up the rebuild. And it's that actually kind of leads into uh, one last question in this segment, the Habs biggest weakness in this rebuild and how to resolve it. Uh, the tweet says it's goaltending and they think they can solve it through free agency. I do think goaltending is a weak spot. I do think they need 
some more superstar help like Slavkovsky and Mesha are, are fun bets and same with Lane Hudson. You need more bets uh, with that. I do think they'd need a long-term solution in goaltending because we still don't know if it's Caden Primo or not. And yeah. two top 10 picks, you can make a lot happen with that. Absolutely. And that's, I think that exactly hits on the point that I was going to make is that there are some players that are young in the Canadian system that are goaltenders and goalies take longer to develop, blah, blah, blah. They show a lot of promise, right? But how often do these goalies actually attain that promise and potential? We're seeing Caden Primo, who's excelled at every league, falter in the NHL multiple times. He's still a big question mark. So we've got these promising younger players from over in Europe and they, they might not develop the way that we want them to, right? Like that is a huge question mark for the Canadians. So for me, I personally think that the weakest part is like, that's a big question mark because we know that they're going to get a relatively good pick next year. It might not be a top three, could be a top five, probably a top 10. I think that they're, you know, in terms of drafting, they're doing really good things in the first season of their rebuild with their drafting. They're investing in development, so we're going to start to see the fruits of that towards the end of next season to see how some of these players are progressing. Um, And I think with goaltending, even if Carey Price does come back, he's on his way out, right? Like, let's say he comes back and he's like, I'm going to finish my career the way that it was supposed to go without that injury season derailing it last year, right? He was still in the twilight of his career. He was still on the decline. He's still 35? 34 or 35 years old um he is still carrie price is on his way out he would be the guy that is backing up the next guy in a stanley cup run like that's the only time we're gonna see carrie price in uniform in montreal and there's a stanley cup run like that that you know so even if even if nothing was wrong with his knee he would have been the question mark. So they need to figure out who their goaltender is going to be. This is a very long-winded way. I'm talking very, very like rambly and long. So please, please forgive me for that. It's just been a very, very tiring week. And actually, I think we should wait until our next segment for the rest of our uh, mailbag questions. Yes. All right. Scott, do we have any mailbag questions left or have I talked your ear off? And- uh, we have plenty left. Uh, you did talk about the Carey Price one already. Uh, this one comes from uh, Casey underscore uh, Lee D. If you can choose any player from the history of the Canadians to play on this team for the upcoming season, who would it be? Everyone's going to say Guy Lafleur, and they're going to be right. Uh, I would say Larry Robinson, but that's just <laughs> me. I was going to say Jean Beliveau because I I just I really like him but I think I think Gila Fleur or Larry Robinson are the correct answers based on what the Canadians are missing right like based on what it's going to take for them to be a good team. Uh I also think that I think it would be really cool to see to see Maurice Richard play. So that's who I'm choosing. Uh also in here uh from Morgan which Habs prospect already in the system do you believe has the best chance to be nominated for the Calder in the upcoming years? There's Slavkovsky, Farrell, Wah, Gouli, Hudson, et cetera, in the system right now. Okay, here's the thing is that all the ones that I would have chosen are probably going back to college. I feel like Elaine Hudson is like a Calder candidate. Like, like, like he's the kind of guy that wins Calders, right? Uh, also, also Farrell. 
and I'm not, I promise I'm not saying this because they're both short. Uh, I, I like, those are the guys that get mentioned, right? Like Slavkovsky is not going to be the guy. Like it's always, it's always some guy that comes out and is not the best one. It's just the, you know, I don't know if I'm phrasing it correctly, but I feel like all eyes are going to be on him and it's fine if he doesn't win the Calder. I feel like it's going to take a couple of years for him to really hit his stride it's not going to be him. It's 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 always like like I, I I don't know. I feel like last season it was very well placed. Like Moritz Sider, fantastic Calder winner. My thought with this is I don't think the Habs are going to have a Calder winner unless they get someone like Connor Bedard. I think they're going to have a lot of very good players. I love Sean Farrell. I like Joshua. I love Caden Gooley, and obviously I love Lane Hudson. Unless there is and I hate that it is done this way, like a point growth in a lot of their game, especially Caden Gooley, who I think has the tools to be a potential Calder candidate. I don't think he has the offensive heights to make that happen. I think the Canadians are going to have a lot of solid players without a Calder winner, and that's fine. It's not the end of the world. I mean, Steve Mason won a Calder, and Steve Mason is elsewhere, like – it doesn't mean anything if you don't if you do or don't win the call. That's what you do afterwards. So I don't think it's too much of a hot take to say I don't think any of them are going to win the Calder, but I'm happy to be proven wrong on that. And I would like to be proven wrong on that. Um, obviously, Kotkaniemi didn't get it. Suzuki didn't get it. The closest the Habs have come is Brendan Gallagher in, I believe it was 2013, where he lost to Jonathan Huberto uh, in the Calder vote there. I don't so long ago. Yeah, I know, right? That was 10 years ago, almost, Jesus. Um, this uh, question comes from Rock Smash, and we'll have to share this on Twitter. How absolutely cursed is this image? It is Samuel Montembeau in his Habs helmet and pads, wearing a Bruins jersey, but it is from the Patrice Bergeron versus Jonathan Marchessault game, and Montembeau was on Patrice Bergeron's team. So obviously he is rocking the yellow and black Bruins sweater and I love mismatched goalie gear more than life itself. Something about this feels so dirty and wrong, and I do not like any of it whatsoever. I saw it on Reddit. I thought it was a Photoshop. I literally, I, like, like the headline was Cursed Montembeau. That's all it said. <laughs> I thought it was, too, because, like, I, one of, the, like, Sportsnet or Bar Down or someone posted, like, jersey swaps, and I was like, I just thought it was part of that. Why they picked Samuel Montembeau, I didn't know, and I just kind of went with it. So, <laughs> I think it's cool that he played in a charity tournament. I just I don't don't like it. Uh, our last hockey question comes from our friend Jess at Locked On Flames. Do you miss Teapot Tofoli? We do a lot. Also, Cat Tofoli and Dodger Tofoli. Sometimes I go on Instagram, so I have this burner account where I follow all the Habs or like hockey players I like, like all of like Team Canada women, for example. And I still haven't <laughs> removed uh, Tyler Tofoli or Cat Tofoli from there because I just love them so much. Uh, miss them a lot. Uh, you know what? The thing is, like, the rebuild was going to wasn't like the results of the rebuild weren't even going to come to fruition during Tyler Tofoli's contract. So even though he was going to be a useful player this year and the next couple of years, because he's just fantastic and very underrated and also what a phenomenal contract value. I just don't think that he was going to be on the future of this team. It's like, it, it makes me really sad, but I miss him because I like him and his dog and his wife is awesome on social media. So yeah. if he didn't get traded last year, he very likely would have been gone probably in the off season this year um, based on the way things are going, which Maybe that would have made his value more or not. Either way, we ended up with Emil Heineman and Philip Mayshar out of it, which is not the worst thing in the world. So 
Um, we're into like the off topic stuff. Now this one comes from Smarty Marty's uh, on Twitter, not hockey related, but do either of the hosts have an NBA basketball team that they root for? Does being from Montreal mean you're not, you aren't allowed to root for the Raptors because of the Canadians Leafs rivalry. I'm from the UK. So I'm an outsider on these things. Yeah. Marty was the one who actually came up with the idea for the locked on Canadians book club last off season. Um, so now, you know, when somebody writes a book, we're going to invite them on. So if you have any people, if you know anybody who's like writing a hockey book or just released one, let us know because we want to revive the book club. It's not going to be weekly like it was last off season, obviously, because we're like well into the off season right now. Uh, but also speaking of guests, we have Blaine Potvin from the hockey writers and Habs unfiltered is going to be on this show for our Monday episode. So make sure you're subscribed to check that out. Uh, the answer to Marty's question is that it is acceptable in Canada to cheer for the Raptors. There is only one team and it is like, it's okay for, for all of us to adopt them. A lot of people will cheer for other teams. When I was on the hunt for an NBA team a couple of years ago, people suggested, um, oh God, lots of people suggested lots of things. Um, and I'm trying to think, I'm like, what was their reasoning? I don't even remember. Like, was it like, I just, I, I was happy when the Raptors won. I kind of follow them tangentially just because I live in this country and I want to know what's going on in the sports world. But I just like nba stuff like and wnba stuff as well like i just i, I like that they're more social sh social justice minded i like that they're they're funnier you know they they don't have they aren't plagued with the same issues that hockey is plagued with and we we have deliberately avoided talking about that today uh but we are gonna obviously have to talk about all the things that are going on because lots of changes have happened since the last time we discussed it but i just feel like they are just they're just like the NBA and the WNBA are like far more progressive. They're far more aligned with what I stand for as a human being. And they're, they're just like, their, their people are just funnier. Like the players are more interesting. The, the coverage is mostly better. The experience of the game in person I haven't had, but I just enjoy like the atmosphere, like not the atmosphere, the, the like, what are you the fandom i guess uh as for baseball scott and i are both red sox fans neither of us is from boston we will not be taking any questions at this time uh as it comes to the nba i follow it uh, from the outside for the drama and hilarity because like the best player in the league can be traded at a whim and there's a tweet from a guy called boring as heck that i should retweet at some point that sums it up all perfectly i unfortunately don't have the time to follow another sport on top of everything else i just do not have enough hours in the day unfortunately um our next question comes from Jeff the Red, and I'll break this up into the two parts. What's your favorite Montreal brewery brew pub and your favorite Buffalo brewery and brew pub? Laura, I will let you take the Montreal side of things first. Okay, so um, most like up until like a couple of years ago, the answer was always going to be uh, Dia du Ciel. Right. Like that's where you go when you come to town. It is consistently good. It is still good. No, I'm not like in any way. Like it's still amazing. But Scott and I both actually like this one. Quatre Origines is like it's got two locations and it is it's the new it's it's the new place everyone wants to go. And all their stuff is good. Check it out. They've got great atmosphere. Uh they are also, I believe, Scott, are they friends with Habs on the Prize? Is that uh, yes, I believe uh, Jared and Shanna know one of the owners. Um, I'm not sure how. Either they went to high school or college with them or something along those lines, which is why the last time I went is why it was suggested. And uh, I cannot recommend it enough. It's, Total... it's a great place to go. Great place to. So that's that's the favorite 
Current favorite Montreal one. Sorry, Scott, I interrupted you. Uh, in Buffalo, um, if you're going to a brew pub and you want specifically beer and you want a wide variety, I go to the Beer Keep on Elmwood. They've got 200-plus selections to choose from, plus rotating taps and a little taste of home because they make garbage plates on the spot. Uh, if I'm going to a brewery, I have never been disappointed going to uh, Big Ditch downtown on Huron Street. It's right by everything. You can walk to it. Food's phenomenal. Beer is always consistently good. Cannot recommend it enough if you only have time for one stop in the city. Um, if you want to try something a little bit more fun, funky, uh, Thin Man on Elmwood uh, is a little bit punk rock grungy. It, it It's super fun. Tons of good beers on there. Always something. If you love bar food, definitely the spot to go to. Um, also from Jeff, if you took an apprentice, what would it be for? Okay. So I wasn't sure about this question because... I'm assuming that I'm getting an apprentice, right? I'm good at something and somebody's learning on the job from me. Because if it was an apprenticeship for me, 100%, it would be something fashion related. Uh, but if I'm getting an apprentice, it is upcycling old furniture. It's something I'm pretty good at and I have great ideas and um, it's fun. It's expensive though. <laughs> I guess I don't really know, like, because I don't homebrew or anything. So it's not like I can take on a brewing apprentice. And it's not like I'm a sales rep out in the field where I'm training someone with me. I actually don't know what I would take an apprentice for because I don't know. Um, I also don't know how to teach people things, to be quite honest. Anytime <laughs> I've had to train people at work, I'm just kind of like, all right, well, here's how I do things. And then sometimes I stand around for 10 to two hours and, uh, and then I continue. And I, I am not the best teacher in the world. I am not fit for an apprentice, unfortunately. Um, we're podcasters. You know what? Somebody told me yesterday, I was like, I want a house hunter's ass occupation. And someone told me hockey podcaster is very much a house hunter's occupation. So we can yes, get we have a hockey podcast. Our budget is $3 billion uh, <laughs> and no, absolutely no granite countertops. Um, oh, yeah, we can make that happen. No problem. Anyways, um, this one comes from at MIG14 on Twitter. How did you get to be so cool? Please teach me your ways. I assume this is directed towards you, Laura. Um, it was directed to the Locked On Canadians account. Uh, we just, I don't know. We have awesome listeners is the answer. I go to therapy. That helps. So, oh, yes, that's a good one. Oh, I have a dog too. That that yes. That's like plus 12 cool points on a scale of however many it goes up to. So. Uh, we have one last question from our friend Jim Hockey in Ottawa. You've opened a restaurant. Finally, uh, you you need to create a signature dish that will eventually become a regionally known delicacy. Think a garbage plate or poutine. What do you create? I don't, I'm sure this has been done before and I've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, batata hara, it's like, it's, it's basically like the Middle Eastern version of patatas bravas. Uh, we do coriander, chili. We, we don't put any like sauces or anything like that. Um, it's spicy potatoes. And then you want to like put shawarma meat on top of that. And you want to put hummus on top of that. So it's kind of like a three layered Middle Eastern garbage plate. Or you had layered. me at hot potatoes, and then you there added you shawarma meat to it, and I'm just like... And then you have to put hummus on it. Just just keep going. Um, what else can we add? <laughs> I, I'm not picky. Put it in a wrap for all I care so I can take it on the go. Like, that sounds friggin' phenomenal. Ooh, like Pita chips across the... Like, to give it some crunch. <laughs> a little it, bit of pita chips. <laughs> this sounds so... Please send me I, a recipe I was going to say pickles, but 
Scott hates pickles, so no. I don't want him to well, make No, no, face. no. Do not ruin the shawarma and hot potatoes with pickles. Why would you? No, no. Please send me a recipe for this because now I want to make this. Um, uh, Lebanese garbage plate is what it is. But Scott, I will send you my hummus recipe and my potatoes bravas recipe. And then for the shawarma, you're kind of on your own. <laughs> I'm not going to make I'll figure that. it out. Uh, <laughs> it's hard because like my thought is it's something going to be made with gravy at some point. There's no way around it. Like I live in Western New York. It's cold most of the year. And you need hearty sustenance. And my thought is just some kind of pie with meat and gravy and potatoes. Then I realized I'm just stealing English food. So, like, I guess um, maybe it would be something like a pot pie, but it's buffalo chicken and blue cheese. And I don't know how. I am not a chef. And what my rambling sounds like I've taken a whole bunch of drugs and I'm just coming up with this at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm not on drugs for those who are listening, especially our bosses. Um, but some kind of buffalo chicken, you know, dish. There's so many like wing sauces and everything that, you know, to bake into some kind of pie um, or a tart or something. And now I want chicken wings, which was a huge mistake on my part. But something like that, um, something along those lines. I realize it's got to be something rich and hearty and everything just because. That's where I live. People want something like that. You know, I want people on Saturday before they go to the Bills game to come pick up, you know, whatever this thing is to take to the tailgate with them because that's what they want when it's cold out in January at high marks. So something along those lines. I know that's the end of our question. We do have a question from our friend Andy uh, about the amazing race and which Canadian would be our partner. We did answer that a couple of weeks ago, and my answer was Nick Suzuki because he would be quiet, and Scott's answer was Carrie Price because he would be capable. Um, so <laughs> that was the answer to that question, Andy. Thank you so much for always asking us questions. Our pocket friend, we, we adore you, Andy. Um, we also adore all of the rest of you listeners, and as we said, Blaine Potvin will be joining us on the Monday episode make sure you are subscribed to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts as well as on youtube or both you can do you know we're doing some really fun interesting all of those videos we promised you about scott making a fool of himself uh also me doing something gross i can't remember eating something gross it was um all that's coming up in august obviously a low content uh, uh, sorry a low uh hockey news kind of uh time and you will catch all of that if you are subscribed to us on YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can find Scott on Twitter at Scott Matley. You will find me at the active stick. Active stick. Oh my God. I don't even know my own Twitter handle. You will find me <laughs> at the active stick on Twitter. You can email us at lockedoncanadians at gmail. You can also answer, uh, ask us mailback questions in the YouTube comments. If you are not nice to your fellow commenters or us, we will ban you from our channel. Uh, just be nice and ask your questions. Have a great weekend. We will talk to you on Monday with our special guests.